Welcome to the Torah Talks Podcast with Rabbi Yaakov Laredo. Rabbi Laredo is the director of a Torah center which inspires Jews of all ages and backgrounds to develop and expand themselves through the study of Torah. We focus on three main areas, discovering Torah, connecting to God, and engaging with other Jews. In this podcast, Rabbi Laredo will discuss the Book of Esther in 11 classes. Rabbi Laredo's number one goal is to provide you with deep, clear, concise, and applicable Torah material, helping you become the best you. Good morning and welcome to our class on Megillat Esther. We're starting with the first chapter. The Megillah starts off by saying, So Achashverosh is being introduced to us now. He is the king from Hodu until Kush, 127 lands. So the Talmud tells us that Vayehi is coming to allude to something uh, hard, is going to happen, and as we know, something very hard and painful is going to happen for the Jews with the decree that Haman is going to suggest to Achashverosh and that he takes on until Esther intervenes. Um, Hamolech, which uh, literally means that Achashverosh, he appointed himself. Achashverosh was a political mastermind. He was a very smart man, and... He was not of royal blood, he was not of noble blood, but he politically and strategically placed himself to rise to become the king of the most powerful empire during that time. From Hodu until Kush, there's a, a dispute in the Talmud between Rav and Shmuel if he was king over the whole world or over half the world. Well, half the world would be if they were both on the opposite ends, Hodu and Kush were on the opposite ends of the world, so that would take 180 degrees of the world, or if they were right next to each other, then it would be 360 degrees going the other way around the world that he owned. And it was 127 uh, cities or countries, and the Gra explains 100 of them were on the land, they were land cities, and then 27 were uh, countries, islands uh, in, the, in the ocean. The second verse, So now we are again uh, explaining and understanding Ahasuerosh uh, and what he was doing. So he's now coming and he's sitting on his throne um, that, he, that he made. The Midrash tells us, He saw the... Um, beautiful throne that Shlomo HaMelech had, King Solomon had, with the seven golden stairs, and as we're soon going to see, he rep, uh, made a replica. He hired others to make a copy for him. The gematria, which is the numerical value of, in this verse of Al Kisem Malchuto, Asher Beshushan Habira, alludes to the Midrash which tells us that Achashverosh tried to go and sit on the throne of King Solomon. However, he was not able to. 
different opinions how, either he just physically couldn't, or anyone that went on, they got hurt, or from the carvings of the animals which were on each of the stairs, they would attack and hurt anyone going up. Previous kings all tried, and the Hashros tried as well, and he was not able to make it up. So what he did was he he contracted um, some goldsmiths to make him a identical copy of the throne of King Solomon, which was the most magnificent throne, as the Nevi'im explained to us. The numerical value of the end of this verse of Al-Kisei also equals the Hebrew phrase of that when he comes to sit on the throne of of uh, King Solomon and he wasn't able to and he gets up and he makes one for himself is the same numerical value as those last words in the verse which is uh, obviously another uh, hidden aspect and and gem that we see in our uh, Megillah verse 3 in the third year of his reign he makes a festive meal, a banquet for all of his ministers and his slaves. The grass says the ministers were those who were in charge of other countries or cities, and the avadav were all of the slaves in the house of the king, in the palace. All of the armies of Paras and Madai, as well as the Partemim, who, as the Midrash explains, were the people who were in charge of appointing kings. They were, so to say, like the board of directors. They would appoint who the king was. As well as the the leaders of each of the uh, countries were all in front of him. The Midrash tells us something very nice. Although Hashrosh was a wicked, drunk king, uh, as we also have a a gematria, a numerical value, in the beginning of the book, where it says, Bimea Chashrosh, Hua Chashrosh, is also, Hu Berishob Mitchilat Ve'ad Sof. Same numerical value as he was a wicked uh, person from beginning to end. Nevertheless, the Midrash tells us that he did do four great and good things. Number one, he waited three years until he crowned himself, until he donned a crown on him. Number two, he waited three years before he actually sat on his throne. Number three, he waited four years to find a good wife because he marries Vashti in the fourth year of his, uh, sorry, Vashti um, passed, uh, Vashti was killed in the third year of his reign and four years later does he marry Esther. It wasn't like one, two, three, so he waited patient for the right one. And number four is he never did anything um, right away. If we see throughout the book of Esther, we see that Achashverosh was a very calculative individual. He always wrote things down that people um, did for him, and he either repaid them, rewarded them, or punished them later on. We see that in in, in multiple instances in this uh, in the book. What we can learn from all four of these items are as ridiculous and as as, as, as horrible of an individual Ahasuerus was, he still had a good character trait of patience, something that we can all um, learn from. The commentaries also wonder, why is he now doing 
a banquet festive meal. So the Midrash says, well, because now he finally finished the contracting and the construction of his beautiful replica throne of King Solomon, so he made a party so everyone can come and see him sit on it. Again, he did so thinking and or trying to make everyone think that this was actually King Solomon's throne. And look, no one else could have sat on it, but he could. But, but uh, we know that he just made a replica of it. Another opinion, also brought down in the Midrash, is that it was three years that passed since the building of the Migdash, has, the rebuilding of the second Beit HaMikdash has been put to a halt. And that was a, uh, unfortunately for, Achash, for us, but for Achashverosh, that was a, a victory. The Targum Yehonatan tells us that the surrounding countries tried to rebel and revolt against Achashverosh, and he overcame them and beat them. That's why he made the banquet now and the Ibn Ezra says well actually this was his wedding party he does as we're soon going to read a a 180 day wedding party uh, for marrying Vashti Um, if we take the Safet Tevot just like we have Rashi Tevot the acronym in the beginning of the words but the end of the words also if we take the end of the words of Bishnat Shalosh Lemolcho Asa Mishteh we have there a vav, a sheen, a taf, and two hays, which equals a yud, also refers to Vashti, alluding to that the reason for this mishteh, for this banquet, was because he married Vashti. Visaremi did not lefanav at the end of the verse. The gra explains that he invited even the ministers who were, or and noblemen who were there before he even became king, and he also brought all those who were close to him. And the Midrash also says that the way that the meal and this banquet was set up was that he would sit at the dais alone and everyone would sit lefanav in front of him. Fourth verse, So now let's understand Achashverosh. Um, he has to prove himself because he is not noble blood. He is not the son of a king. So he has to prove himself. He has to prove how powerful, how strong, and also how wealthy he is. So what he would do is he would display for the next 180 days, all of his wealth. So he was showing all of the riches and the glory, and all of the glory and of this kingdom. For many days, and it was 180 days. So the Talmud learns that this uh, unfortunate Russia donned the close of the Kohen Gadol, and that's how he partied for the 180 days. Um, the Midrash tells us that he was so wealthy, Achashvash was so wealthy, that he showed off all of his um, safes, all of his vaults, his treasures. He had a hundred and uh, 1,080 safes, walk-in safes, huge ones. And what he did was he showed six of them every day. And if you would do 1,080 divided by six, you'd get to 180, alluding to the 180 days. Now, these six um, safes are alluded to the words of glory and splendor and power and riches that are in this in this verse. You have Osher, you have Kavod, um, you have Malchut, Yekar, Tiferet, and Gidulato. One, two, three, four, five, and six. All alluding to every day he showed six different 
um, safes that he that he had. Why does the end of the verse um, tell us that it was 180 day? It says Shimonim Umat Yom. It should say Shimonim Umat Yamim. Well, the Midrash tells us that the verse is telling us that the first day was so tremendous and 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 fascinating to everyone who came so too was the last day the last day was as magnificent as the first the manot halevi asks well what do i need the words yamim rabim many days 180 days i know 180 days is a long party i don't need you to tell me it's many days and it's 180 days well Rather, Yamim Marim are not alluding to the amount of days, rather the length of each day. That specifically, Hashverosh had this party in the summertime when the days are long so that they can party longer. Hey, verse 5. So at the end of these 180 days, the king made for all of the all of his nation. So after 180 days of parting for the whole world, everyone was able to come and join. Then when everyone leaves, only those close people who were part of his, uh, who lived in Shushan Habira in the capital city, they were then invited to another week of Parting, seven days of parting. In the Talmud, Rav and Shmuel have a dispute if this if Achashverosh was a smart king or a dumb king. A smart king because you know what he did? He was trying to bring the further people close, right? He did a party for the whole world before his close people. And Shmuel says, no, he's not too smart, he's not too bright. Really, what you should do is you should uh, first have had a shorter uh, meal, banquet party for his close friends and then for everyone else. Um, we have three different locations that this party took place in the Chatzer, which was the courtyard, in the Ginat, which is the place where, um, let's say, like the grass, the greenery, place to plant, and Bitan, which is where there are already um, planted trees there. And again, Rav and Shmuel have a dispute how the setup was. Was it that, depending on uh, who a person was when they came in, where they would be shown. If you were very noble, very high standard and high class, you would be able to sit in the chatzer, in the courtyard. If you were mediocre, you could sit on the grass. And if you were less, you would sit in the in the fields or in the forest. Um, Shmuel says, no, really, the party was so great and so large and lavish that at first, obviously, it started in the house, it overflowed into the courtyard, it overflowed into the grass area, and then it even overflowed into the into the forest showing how how amazing the the party was moving on to the sixth verse so this verse is giving us an explanation of how beautiful this next uh, party, this seven-day party was, it was so lavish and so majestic. It was um, with so many different beautiful uh, decor. Um, 
so it says as follows, there were hangings of white fine cotton and turquoise wool held with cords of fine linen and purple wool upon silver rods and marble pillars. The couches of gold and silver were on a pavement of a special marble and the special marble, according to many opinions, was even a green marble. Um, the Gra tells us that all of this is just to show us that, yes, look at the, this Rasha, this wicked person, how he is... Uh, adorned and so wealthy in, in here in this world and how great the reward for tzaddikim in the world to come are going to be multiple times over verse 7 and he would give everyone to to drink out of gold um, utensils from other types of of utensils we'll explain what that means malchut rav and amazing and a lot of wine as as this, the king was giving out to everybody. So Mikelim Shonim, the Talmud tells us, it should have said Meshunim, they were different, meaning they were special. What does it mean that they were Shonim? So rather, the Talmud explains that there was a heavenly voice that came out and said, the first ones, Harishonim Kalu Mipne'elu Akelim, the first ones, they all died from using these vessels, meaning Balshetzar, and his fellows, when they miscalculated also the 70 years of the destruction, they also ate and made a feast on using the uh, vessels of the Bet HaMikdash. And you, Achashverosh, you think you are any different? You think you will be spared? And Mikilim Shonim, again, is the, is the gematria, the numerical value of Elu Kele HaMikdash. So the gold utensils that the um Achashverosh used for this second mishte this second um banquet was actually the utensils of the bet hamikdash he made his calculation of 70 years since the, uh, the exile started and since they were not redeemed yet the jewish people were not redeemed yet uh, Achashverosh was of the opinion that the jewish people would not be redeemed and therefore he pulled out the vessels and used it himself the yen malchut rav the gemara tells us that um, it should have said that there was a lot the yen malchut harbe why rav um, rav to tell us that everybody drank wine which was older than them in in years that's how lavish and majestic the the banquet was moving on to the eighth verse and everyone could drink and there was no one being forced although sometimes people are forced to drink here everyone was as comfortable and felt at home and everyone drank no one was forced the Talmud says they, that Achashverosh arranged that everyone's uh, original hometown wine was brought to them again him showing his, his wealth because he wanted to be sure that everyone would know that uh, every person can be served the way they would like it and be as most comfortable um, the way they would enjoy it most. A question brought up in the Mefarshim is, was there any music which was at this banquet or not? I mean, as we know, every party normally has music, so there's no mention in the Megillah if there was or wasn't music. I think it's a a valid question. The Manot HaLevi, he answers and says, no, there was actually no music at this 
at this party. And the reason why is because not everybody can agree on the same songs that they like. I mean, think of it. Um, if you put on some Oriental music, so then the Europeans won't be happy. You put on some European music, then the uh, the Africans won't be happy, and, and so on and so forth. Everyone has their own type and style of music that they like, right? Some people like jazz, some people like rap, some people like hip-hop, uh, other people like classical music. Not everyone has the same taste when it comes to music. So therefore, not to offend anybody, Achashrosh chose not to put um, any any music. The Maharal says, yes, there was music, but that's not a chidush, it's not a novelty. Obviously, the king would have music there, so that's why the, the Megillah doesn't mention it. There's another opinion that says there was no music, and the reason for this was because Achashverosh wanted the Jews to attend this festive meal as well, and he knew that the Jews, ever since the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash, did not drink wine and um, listen to live music at the same time. Tet. The ninth verse, Gam Vashti, also Vashti HaMalka, the, the, the queen Vashti, Astamishten Hashim, she also made a women's uh, party banquet, Bet HaMalchut Asher Lamelech Achash Verosh, in the house of the king, Achash Verosh. So Gam Vashti, the Midrash says, she also wore um, clothes of Kohanim, not the Kohen Gadol, but she also wore the clothes of Kohanim. Uh, ridiculous if you think of it, but... They were there to, to prove a point. Mishten Hashim, she made her own because Achashverosh didn't invite her to the second one. After the 180 days, then he made one just for him and his 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 party, his, his, his friends, like a guy's night out. So it was like a guy's week uh, without without the women. So she's like, you're making one? I'm going to make my own. And she made her own because she claimed that she was greater than Achashverosh. Again, there was always this political strife between Achashverosh and Vashti. Who was the noble one? and Who was the richer one? and Who was the greater one? So she said, you make yours, I'm going to make my own. And then she made her own and she didn't invite everybody. She selectively chose who she invited to this party. And it was on the seventh day. The Talmud says that it was on Shabbat. So this was the seventh day from the party. So the party started on Sunday and it ended on Shabbat. On Shabbat, the king is so drunk. He went through 180 days of drinking, and now he's another seven days. He is completely drunken out. So he tells his seven chamberlains to do the following. This is what he tells um, them. Lehavi, verse eleven. to bring Vashti in front of the king becheter malchut, wearing her crown. Uh, that's that's debatable. We're gonna see in a moment. The commentaries say, as we all understand, that that Achashverosh asked her to come out wearing nothing or wearing only her crown. She, he was so drunk, he wanted to show her off um, unclothed to everyone there. The Gra explains that he wanted to show her to the Amim and the Sarim, to the nations and the and the uh, the ministers. Normally, it should be the ministers and the nations. No, but since the Amim, the, the, the other people, the other guests were further away, they would see her first when she walked in the room. But... 
Vashti refuses uh, to come and do and come at the request of the king because the chamberlains were bringing her, meaning the Mepharshim explained that the chamberlains were a very degrading way to bring a queen. You don't ask a queen to come through that way, either from a, a nobleman or the king himself, not through a chamberlain. And the king was very angry, and his anger festered inside of him. So, why did Vashti not want to come? Was she such a tzadeket, a righteous woman? On the contrary, many of our commentaries say that this was a normal thing for the king to do. The king actually did call out uh, some of his wives or concubines to come undressed uh, in front of him and his friends, and they would, and even Vashti would. But this time something was different. The Rashi explains that she was full of leprosy. And because of that, she didn't want to come out and be embarrassed. And this was measure for measure. She was punished this way because she used to force the Jewish girls to work naked, to serve her unclothed and also on Shabbat. So she was asked on Shabbat and killed on Shabbat to come out naked. The Talmud says that... Actually, God made her have a tail. A tail grew from her. And that was very embarrassing also. Because again, she had the Jewish girls serve her naked like animals. So God said, I'm going to turn you into uh, an animal. And that's what happened over there. Vashti is the gematra, the numerical value of Gavriel Asala Zanav. The Malach Gavriel, the angel of Gabriel, made her a, a tail. The Malbim says that she did not want to come because she understood this political scheme and tactic that the king was trying to do. Achashverosh was trying to cut her down by um, two different ways. Number one, Bidvara Melech, she went against his demand, and his demand was to come without, according to the Malbim, without a crown, alluding to that she is not of noble blood, she's not the daughter of the of a king, rather he is the nobleman. Again, that was their political war that the two of them had their whole lives. And number two, that she was asked to be brought in a, in a disgraceful way, being accompanied, accompanied by the chamberlains. The... So why did they get angry? What was the difference? Why 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 did he get angry at her? Because she was, as Rashi says, sending him insults. What insults? Well, the Talmud says the insult was she sent she was requested to come naked, and then she answers back to him, You stupid, ridiculous, drunkard, the son of a stable boy. My father could have drank a thou uh, could have drank a thousand times a person. He could have drank in correspondence to a thousand other people drinking, and he would not get drunk. And you have one cup, and you are so drunk. So he was. She was insulting him. The particular Beezer said that she. The reason why she didn't want to come undressed is because she didn't want she told him well maybe one of the ministers are going to see me in my beauty and they're going to want to kill you in your drunkenness to have me so it's not worth it for me to come but the king was not happy with that he got angry 
and he um and he had this anger festering in him. The Malbim says, well, there's two terminologies, Vaiktsof and Chamato, which both mean anger. So what's the difference? He explains Ketsef means something which is displayed anger, which is displayed outwardly uh, in, a, in a public manner, and Chema, and that type of anger is something which is um, deep inside, kept inside, um, that, that, that uh, Achashverosh had. So the ang the outward anger was that she didn't come at his uh, request. The inward anger was that she was the chema was that she was ruining his plan and showing how great and how powerful, how wealthy he was to everybody. And deep down, he was uh, she was ruining his plan of looking like the almighty, all powerful king. But he was only able to display his ketzef, his outward anger, on the account that she didn't obey his words. But the chama, the deep part which was bothering him, was actually that she was challenging his his place and his position as king. The 13th verse, Yudkimel, Vayomer HaMelech HaChamim Haitim, and the king says to the uh, wise men, the ones who know times, the Talmud says, who are those? Those are talking about the Jews, because the Jews... Uh, the J Jewish wise men were the ones who would set up the the years and the months. And Achashrosh asked from them, what should we do to a queen, i.e. Vashti, who is disrespecting and not listening to the king's request. But now the, the Jewish advisors were, were, or the Jewish wise men were put in a very difficult position. Either way, they couldn't win. On one hand, if they would have said, Killer, well, tomorrow when he gets off of his, when he sobers up and he's not drunk anymore, then he's going to ask what happens, and then and he's going to be told that the Jewish people, the Jewish wise men advised him to kill Vashti. And then if he would say, if the Jewish advisors would say, well, well, just forgive her, don't, don't do anything, then tomorrow, they, the, the non-Jewish advisors would come and say, look at the Jewish advisors, they didn't uh, allow they didn't say to punish Vashti and they let her get away with um with with the doing with doing uh, what she did the Ibn Ezra says that the Chachamim Yodei team were actually stargazers and astrologers it wasn't it wasn't uh, the Jewish people. Because that's what a king would always do. He would always seek advice from advisors and wise men and not make his own his own um, conclusions. Yud Dalid. Ve'akarov elav. Ve'akarov elav kashena shetar admeta tarshish meres marsena memuchan. And the closest advisors to him were uh, these seven individuals, and these were the Shivat Sare Parasumadai Repene Hamel Hashim Bamachut. These were the most noble, the ones who always sat the closest to the to the king. Um, the great question is who is Memuchan? Well the Gimachra Memuchan is Haman Haagagi Ha idiot, the idiot Haman Haagagi, uh, ironically. The Talmud and the Targum Unkelus say that uh, Memuchan was really Haman. And why was his name called Memuchan? Because, number one, he was either ready for trouble 
Or number two, the Midrash says is that he was namuch upachut mikol asarim. He was low and unimportant in front of everybody. The Chida says that Memuchan is a hint to his end. Memuchan could also be read as mum chan, chan being 70. So his, his defeat was actually 70 days after he was brought up to, uh, promoted to being a great individual. The Targum Sheni and Tosafot both say that Memuchan was not Haman, it was actually Daniel Hanavi, Daniel the prophet. And the reason why it was called Memuchan is because when he, uh, when the Jewish people, when Shevet Yehuda were first exiled to Babylon um, with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Daniel was already there and he prepared the Galut, the exile for the diaspora for the Jewish people, and many miracles were done on his behalf. So Memuchan, from the terminology of make ready, he made the galut ready for them. Tetvav number fifteen. Kedat malasot. So he so he asked. So he first turns. Achashvash first turns to the Jewish uh, wise men. They they didn't have an answer for him because they were cornered. Then he turns to the seven, and what does he ask them? Kedat malasot malkavashti. What to do with the queen? Since she did not do as was was told to do by the by the king who sent the chamberlains. Tedzain, sixteen. Vayomer Memuchan and Memuchan, he's the one to open his mouth up first and says, Lifne Hamelch in front of the king and Asrim and all of the ministers. Not only did Vashti sin against the king or wrong the king really she she made a mockery and a disgrace and embarrassment to all of the king's uh, ministers and every single one of the countries that belongs to Achashverosh so the Midrash asks well why was he the first one to open his mouth if we look at the Two verses prior, he was the last of the seven to be mentioned. Well, he actually did open up and overstep his his bounds, and because of that, and overstep his position, and because of that, he was eventually punished for that. But the reason why he opened up is because he had a personal vendetta against Vashti, and that was number one. Vashti Haita, Vashti was. This is the midrash says she used to hit him with on her head on his head with her shoes and he didn't like that obviously number two Vashti didn't invite his wife to the Mishte Hanashim to the banquet for the women and that was something that Haman's wife always made fun of Haman for Vashti never invited me he used, she used to tell him because you must not be that important and that bugged him deep down that irked him number three Haman actually had a, a daughter and he wanted his daughter to marry the king and become the queen so that's why his advice was to kill her the grass says that the reason why the reason why um, Haman also brings in that the embarrassment and the sin of Vashti was against the rest of the ministers as well not only is the king because the king was in doubt Achashosh was in doubt what to do so now in order to not let that doubt overcome and not punish Vashti because he really wanted to kill Vashti 
Um, he also brought in the disgrace of the rest of the um, the rest of the ministers. Verse seventeen. And this is what he says to do. When everybody's going to hear, as Rashi explains, the disgrace that Vashti did to you, the king, all the women are going to hear about it. And they're all going to disgrace and disrespect their own husbands. They're all going to know that you summoned her and she didn't come. And now that's going to give an opening to all wives to disrespect their own husbands. And that is a very serious thing, uh, Haman says. Yudchet, verse 18, And it should be on this day that everybody should know what she did, and it should be a tremendous... It, it, it would be, if we don't do anything about it, it would be a tremendous disgrace and anger for you, my king. So now he suggests, Im al tov, if the king would agree, in verse 19, let his, let his, let you, let him, king, Haman says, let yourself show, I want you to show everyone your strength as king, and I want you to, uh, to use your power as king to write, I want you to go into the constitution, of our great, great kingdom, and write this. I want you to write this down. I want it to be in the constitution. I want everybody to know that every woman has to obey their husband no matter what, and Vashti should be um, replaced. This is what uh, this is what uh, the verse actually says. It says, "Umalchutayiten should be given to a better woman." The uh, Radal explains that from these words of replacing Vashti, we learn that she was brought out to be killed. Although the Megillah never says it explicitly, we learn that she did, and the reason why it's not said explicitly was for our honor, for her honor, for the honor of the situation that she was not brought out, that she was brought out but she, to be killed, but she was not, it was not mentioned. The Midrash says the way she died was actually she was decapitated. Um, the Mamloes says that one opinion is that she was burnt to death, uh, which is disgraceful. Another is that she was hung on a tree, as we see many other deaths in the, in the Megillah were carried out. She was, as we mentioned earlier, she was decreed to be killed on Shabbat, unclothed, as midah connected midah, measure for measure, for the way she treated the Jewish uh, maidservants. 20. Chaf v'nishma pitgam ha-melech asher ya'aseh b'chol malchuto ki rabahi v'chol anashim itnu yekar l'ba'lehen l'migadol v'atkatan. And I want everybody to know this. He, um, uh... Haman tells Achashrosh, everyone should know about what happened over here in order that every wife will give proper honor and glory to their husbands, all type of people. 21. And this was a great idea. The king liked it. All of the ministers liked it, although they were all drunk, but they, they, they liked this in, their, in, in his drunkness. Chafbet. 
22. And the king does so, and he writes a document that is sent to each and every country in their own language, in their own calligraphy or font, and in order for each and every person to know that it, the man is the man of the house, and should each call each sorer beveto, should be the ruler, rule over his wife. That was his whole ridiculousness, and should be able to speak his own language. Thank you for listening, and be sure to listen to more Torah Talks. Rabbi Laredo also has hundreds of Torah classes on YouTube, and more coming out daily. Go to youtube.com forward slash Rabbi Laredo.